Let's open our Bibles together to Psalm 128. Psalm 128, page 613 of your Pew Bibles. Psalm 128. Here is the uh, second to last sermon in the uh, sermon series I'm working on called Pilgrim's Progress. And um, we'll be hearing a little bit more about the book, The Pilgrim's Progress, in today's message. And um, the reason for this sermon series, maybe for those who are new or who have been uh, maybe missed a few weeks here and there over the past month, is um, next Sunday I'll begin my sabbatical, the theme of which is pilgrimage, where I'll be undertaking various forms of pilgrimage during the course of the summer ahead. And I was thinking it would be neat for us to think about each of our own pilgrimages that we are on in life. And of course, the book, The Pilgrim's Progress, is really an applicable book for every Christian. Um, the, the main character of the first part of the book, his name is Christian, and it's a fable about what it looks like to live as a Christian in this world. And so as we walk with Christ, having been saved by grace, through faith in him, we, we follow him, um, we grow in union with him, we're moving towards a greater communion with God always and towards heaven, and, and that's the story of the Pilgrim's Progress, and that's the story of every Christian. And so uh, last week we thought about the dangers on that path, um, what dangers, what temptations, what trials will we find as we follow Jesus. And in that passage last Sunday that we considered, uh, the temptations of Christ himself and how those temptations apply also to our lives. And I encouraged each of us last week to, to think clearly and soberly about the dangers of following Jesus. And so today is, is going to be the opposite side of that. We'll think about the blessings of knowing God, of following in the way of Christ. Uh, one of the errors in any church or in any person's life is too much attention to one side or the other in this, um, in this balanced um, way of thinking about the Christian faith. Some think so much about the blessings of the Christian life that they are naive about sin and temptation and danger in this world, spiritual oppression and opposition to the kingdom of God. And so some people and some congregations think so much of blessing that they become naive and fall into all of the devil's snares. And on the other hand, you have many Christians who think almost exclusively about the dangers and sort of some of the bad things, the temptations, the sin in this world, and, and they, they lose sight of all the blessing that God provides for us, his children. And so uh, last Sunday's message is, is really balanced out, I, I hope, by, by today's message, where dangers, certainly there will be some on the way of Christ, but it's a path that's also full of blessing. And so as I read this passage, you might wonder, and we'll find the answer here, does the Lord bless us in this life as we follow Jesus? Is Christian blessing just for someday or just for experiencing in heaven? Or does God actually give us a promise of blessing as we follow Jesus in this world? The psalm you'll, you'll note is called a psalm of ascent. And that means that this is a song that pilgrims would have sung on their way to Jerusalem. Jerus Jerusalem was 
perched up on a hill, not really a mountain, but, but a, a hill, and people would ascend up the hill into Zion, the holy city, Jerusalem, and they would sing with one another as they would go up the hill towards the temple. And so uh, this is a collection of psalms of, that people would sing together with one another as they were pilgrims on a journey to worship the Lord. Having already prayed that the Lord would bless our reading of his word, let's look at Psalm 128, starting at verse 1. A song of ascents. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. We're going to spend a lot of time thinking about verse 1 today. So keep those Bibles open. We're going to pay close attention to what God promises there. Blessed are all who fear the Lord. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his way. Before we dive deeper into analyzing this passage, we need to just pause and dwell on that promise. If you are walking in the way of Christ, if you fear the Lord, that means if you have an awe of God, are are in awe of his grace, of his glory, of his holiness, if you live in a way that you fear the Lord and if you walk in his ways, you're blessed. It's a good life. This passage doesn't just give us the promise that everything will always be easy, but these verses tell us that walking with God is good. It's not always easy, but it is good. As we think about this theme today of blessing, the blessings of walking in God's way, we need to define that term. What does it mean to receive blessing from God? There's a lot of confusion in our culture about the kinds of blessings that God promises in his word. So I'd like to start with two types of gifts, two types of blessings that someone could receive, and we can think about how these gifts might relate or contrast to the kinds of blessings that God gives us, his children. Of course, today is a day of gift giving, Mother's Day. And so maybe we can have a little fun thinking about the kinds of gifts that maybe a mom would receive, but uh, but even more generally, that somebody would receive. And we can ask, what do these types of gifts teach us about the kinds of gifts and blessings that God gives us, his children? The first type of blessing that we can think of is what I would call lazy boy blessings. There's the lazy boy on the screen behind me. A lazy boy, a recliner a comfortable chair. I would guess maybe not too many moms got a lazy boy today, but, uh, um, but what is the, the purpose of giving a gift like this? You want somebody to be comfortable, to rest, to enjoy maybe watching TV or reading a book or having some quiet time in a comfortable chair. So what is a comfy reclining chair used for? 
Um, well, our couch, and, and we have a recliner like this in our home, it's used for crashing in at the end of the day, right? You kick your feet up, and it feels good just to rest. So if you receive a chair like this as a gift, the way that you would most likely think of it is that it's a gift for, for you, for your comfort, and, and that's okay to think of it that way. You're going to get comfy in this chair. On a cold winter day, curl up with a blanket and a cup of coffee, Or you're going to doze off in this chair while you're watching TV, and it just feels good to do that sometimes. So when you get a lazy boy, it's about you. It's about your comfort. And so we could ask, are God's blessings for us lazy boy blessings, where the benefit is is ultimately for you, for just feeling good and cozy? Or there's a second type of blessing that maybe we can call tool set blessings. Getting a tool set as a, a gift, maybe a, a gardening set like what we see up there. could be a popular Mother's Day gift. When someone receives a set of tools, the intention is that the recipient will, will do something with the gift that is constructive, that's creative, that even will build something, will be put to use. When we think of a lazy boy, we think of maybe a more passive gift. But when we think of a tool set, it is an active gift that's meant to be put to use. Now, I don't have anything against lazy boys. We have them, uh, one in our house. And, and I know that sometimes when I use sermon illustrations like this, I go and visit someone's house and I see a lazy boy and they apologize for having a lazy boy because of the sermon illustration that I once used about you know, uh, how it's, God's gifts for us are a little bit different than, than that in a lot of ways. So nothing against them per se, but it's clear in Psalm 128 and in many other places in the Bible that his gifts for us are meant to be put to use, are meant to be, be shared, that God's gifts for us equip us to live for him, to be active, to be constructive, to bless other people. And so we see two types or two blessings that fit that description as being tool set kinds of gifts in Psalm 128. So we can look first at the two blessings we find in this passage, and we'll look also at many others after that. The first blessing we found in this passage is the blessing of work. Verse 2, you shall eat the fruit of of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. God gives us the blessing of work. Moms and dads, uh, people in church, people in a community, uh, those who go to work, those who are retired also still have uh, constructive things to do, ordained by God for the purpose of seeing his kingdom come in this world. So the Lord blesses us when we work for him. Blesses us when we walk in his ways by working for him. That's what the Apostle Paul also teaches in Colossians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul has a lot of clear instruction for how how families should function, but also follows that up right after in Colossians 3 with how employees should think of their work or how every Christian should think of being an industrious person to the glory of God. He writes in Colossians three twenty three through 24, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart 
as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So that passage from Colossians and this one also of Psalm 128 redefines, I would say, what it means to be successful in your work life. If you never get a raise, if you never have a job that is glamorous or exciting or impressive to talk about at class reunions, if you are a retired person or maybe you're even a young person who isn't in the workforce yet because of your age, all of us can serve Christ, can work to his glory. Whatever you do, says Paul, work at it with all your heart. Whoever walks in the fear of the Lord, walks in his ways, will receive a blessing of knowing God and and being confident that you're bringing glory to him. The end result of your work is not your glory. The end result of the Christian's work is the glory of God. So that approach to your job will enable you to enjoy your work. That's what Psalm 128 is referring to. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You'll be blessed and it will be well with you. Work will become an enjoyable thing, even if it's a difficult job, because it's often even in suffering that we most glorify Christ in our work or in any other area of our lives. Uh, The very good Lutheran commentator, H.D.M. Spence, wrote this about work um, when commentating on Psalm 128. I love this great truth that we find. He said, The builder rejoices in the house which he has erected. The farmer in the fields he has made productive. The florist in the garden he has planted. The author in the book he has written. The statesman in the measures he has passed into law. Apart from the physical comfort it may bring us, we have a pure pleasure in the effect of honest and faithful work. I love those old passages. I believe this was written about 150 years ago. Don't we need these reminders of the goodness of work? In our culture, work is not always regarded as a blessing, is it? But God's word says that it is a blessing. After all, God works. So we can say his work is good. This means that work in and of itself cannot be a bad thing because God is always at work. He's constantly creating and sustaining good things. He's constantly renewing us by the Spirit, guarding us in Christ, listening to our prayers. God is always at work. And so for the Christian, we're also called to be industrious followers of Jesus. If God is always at work, It logically follows that someone who fears the Lord will, who walks in his ways, will also be a worker. Somebody who gets things done, who pays attention to details. Somebody who loves to to create. Um, Just as we thought of the, the tool set kind of blessing, God gives us work to do, and it's a blessing so that we might create and be constructive and bless others with it. Secondly, from this passage, we learn about the blessing of family. So we can read verse 3 once again. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. So what is this blessing? 
Well, the promise here is not that every Christian man will have a wife and children. It's not that every Christian woman will have a husband and children. Because of the way the passage was written, we could add the phrase, for the Christian man who is married, your wife will be fruitful and blessed. For the Christian family that has children, they will surround you like olive shoots surrounding um, around your table. Uh, This is a reference to how olive shoots would often uh, come up around a a healthy olive tree, Uh, certainly in the ancient world and still today this happens. So to fear the Lord and to walk in his ways in your family is to be productive, spiritually speaking, that there would be a fruitful relationship between husband and wife, and that there would be a children who, who don't stray, we would say, far away spiritually, but who, who grow up in the way of Christ, in the way of the Lord. A few years ago, I made a, a shift in how we pray at mealtimes that was, was prompted by the kinds of promises that I read in God's Word. I know that it's very common in, in families and hopefully for couples, and even if you're a single person, to, to take some time to pray before a meal starts. And that's a really good practice to do that. And I, I was thinking about how it's so often we just focus on the food, just thinking about the food that's on the table in front of us. And we would pray a good prayer, Lord, bless us through this food. That's a good thing to pray about. But then I was realizing how I, I, I think there needs to be more spiritual content in my requests during mealtimes. And the reason that I thought of this was been reading through 1 John, where John's command again and again and again, love one another. And so this really struck me how, how when a family sits down for a meal, the prayer hopefully isn't just for the food, but the prayer is that in a family, we love one another. We love one another. I realize that this constant ref- refrain of 1 John um, is, is really a call to prayer that families would be full of encouragement, that a family would have unity and really even friendship among family members, closeness. And so I, I think that's what it means to fear the Lord and walk in his ways as a family, not just to, to pray about the physical things that we need, which are good to pray about, but to expand our prayer life to include, Lord, help us love one another during this mealtime. We pray for unity in our family, that you would guard us from temptation, from even, you know, uh, bitterness rising up in a family. 1 John 4, verse 11, Dear friends, since God so loved us, let us love one another. That is the description of a Christian family. There is love in a home where Christ is present, where people are walking in his ways, where people are living in the fear of the Lord. And you would see this, and you would hear this description, and you would wonder, well, what if my family is struggling? What if my family doesn't really feel that way, like it's full of love and encouragement and support? What if that description from Psalm 128 doesn't really describe my life right now? It's a big question that people would come to church with. I want to encourage, if that's you, do not be discouraged. Fear the Lord and walk in his ways. Fear the Lord and walk with Christ. Walk in step with the Spirit. Again, we think of how these blessings 
point us to what God is like. God has a family. And some people would hear about that and they would hear all this talk about family and and closeness and they would get uncomfortable because, quite honestly, there's a lot of people who would be rather left alone. Just sort of give them their space and don't want to get all that close to other people because people are complicated and it can be hard to live uh, with other people or near other people. And so describing the Christian life as, as living in a family could be intimidating often because of bad experiences that people have had in families. But we know, based on God's word, that one of the greatest blessings and promises of the Christian faith is that you are called a child of God, that we call him Father, and that our relationship to God and to one another is a familial, close, loving, supportive relationship. And it's such a blessing to pastor in a church where we are a family. We are a family. We support one another, help each other, speak words of encouragement and comfort to each other. You know, it's worth noting again that both of these blessings require effort. The blessing of work and the blessing of family requires that we would put energy and effort um, to grow the blessing that God has given us. We're likely to think of a blessing as a gift that doesn't require anything of us, but, but these blessings, and I would even say every blessing in the Christian life, is meant to be put into use. For example, uh, maybe on the negative side, some people might come to church hoping to receive a blessing that would expect nothing of them. That's kind of a consumer mentality of going to church. Just hoping to go and, and receive and take and, and kind of be left um, just filled up with, with very little expectation of, of how you should live or the worship that you should give to God in your work or in your life in various ways. But even with the spiritual blessings that God gives, he expects us to put them to use, to put them to work. So, for example, when God gives you faith in Jesus, when God gives you faith in Christ and you're born again in Christ, the blessing doesn't just stop there with your receiving salvation and, and the promise of going to heaven with Jesus one day, but giving, receiving faith in Christ will then prompt you to walk in his way. That faith in Jesus will be tested and it will be strengthened and refined through the process of putting that gift to use. Or when God blesses you with peace, with a kind of confidence in him that comes from hearing the gospel, knowing his word, and walking with him, when God blesses you with peace, there's a purpose for that blessing that you would also be a peacemaker in the lives of other people. That is a good prayer for you to offer up as you start your day. Lord, you have blessed me with peace through Jesus Christ, guarding my heart and my mind in Christ. So help me to now be a peacemaker, someone who is humble, someone who listens, someone who who helps to mediate conflict, someone who goes into a situation asking, how can I serve and how can I make this better? It's a Christian way of responding to receiving the gift of peace in your life. Or what about the gift of the forgiveness of your sins? Again, I think some people can think of that as a lazy boy blessing, where I have my sins forgiven, I'm going to 
um, you know, go to heaven someday because God has washed away all my sins. I have a relationship with God. And they, they think of that in a way that it's almost like they're just retreat, retreating to sit in the, lazy, the spiritual lazy boy for the rest of their lives. Their sins are, are washed away. But brothers and sisters, when your sins are forgiven, you're freed to serve Christ well. You're set free from what the Apostle Paul says, slavery to sin, and now you become a slave to righteousness, a servant of righteousness. And so freed from misery, despair, guilt, and into a life that is spiritually productive. So in this psalm, we see that the blessing of work and of family life are among the many promises of those who are walking in God's way. The sermon series is called The Pilgrim's Progress, and I recognize we haven't heard all that much from the great book, The Pilgrim's Progress, written 400 years ago by John Bunyan. So I thought it would be helpful today if, if we expand this question of what are the blessings of walking in the way of Christ out towards other scriptures and other blessings that we would find, promises of God for Christians. And so um, we could say, uh, what sorts of blessings do we find in, in that great book? Uh, again, The Pilgrim's Progress is a fable that was written that describes the Christian life. Christian, uh, a man who, who is carrying a burden that's, that's taken away by Christ and, and walks towards the celestial city. And, and later in the second half of the book, Christiana, his wife, who, who hears the word of God and, and begins her own pilgrimage towards the celestial city as well. What happens in their lives in this fable. Of course, there are all those difficulties, dangers, and temptations, but they receive so many good things along the way as well that point to the good things the Christian receives in this life. The Christian pilgrim who fears the Lord and walks in his ways will receive help. What a simple thing. What a wonderful thing. That if you're fearing the Lord and walking in his ways you'll receive help from God. That's one of the first blessings that Christian receives when he falls into a slough and gets stuck in the mud. He calls out and he receives help. Someone who comes to to lift him up out of the pit. The Christian receives that blessing through Christ and through the church. We receive help by God's grace. When you're following God and walking in his ways, you will hear the words of an evangelist who expose the errors of the world. And so the Christian, the pilgrim, is, is on his journey, and occasionally this, this guy comes into the picture named Evangelist. And right as Christian is wandering off the path, the evangelist, the preacher, the one who brings the word of God, will come to him and say, Stop! Look at the path. Go the right way. Go the way that, that the word instructs you to. And so the Christian today... The pilgrim also receives the blessing of of hearing the word of God through the evangelist who corrects our path. You'll also benefit directly from the ministry of the Holy Spirit as you walk the path of Christ. And the Spirit will interpret the meaning of God's word for you and what's happening in the world around you. So the Christian has the great blessing of an internal interpreter. That is the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is not natural to us, but but when you are born again in Christ, 
You have the Spirit at work. Um, 1 Corinthians says you have the mind of Christ that helps you to discern what is best, discern between what is evil and what is good, um, to discern spiritual things. That is a great blessing for the Christian as you walk through life. The gift of the interpreter, the Holy Spirit. When you walk with Jesus, you'll also be walking alongside other friends, friends who are hopeful, friends who are faithful. So you have the gift of the church. And in this, this great story of the Pilgrim's Progress, he has a friend faithful who encourages him to stay on the path, who is eventually martyred. And then right after this comes the friend hopeful who's always pointing Christian forward. And so um, hopefully today you can think of friends who are faithful and friends who are hopeful. Friends that you have, that God has provided, that are a blessing to you and are spurring you on towards more faith and more good works. As a Christian, you also have the promises of God. And, and in the story of the Pilgrim's Progress, the promise is a key. The key of promise that unlocks despair. It unlocks discouragement and loneliness and grief. Christian, at one point in the story, is, is bound up in the castle of despair. And he's struggling, he's in pain, and he remembers the key of promise. Now, what might that mean for us today? If you're feeling uh, grief, loneliness, despair, like giving up, God blesses you today with the key of his promise. He is faithful, that he will be, be good, gracious, patient, compassionate, merciful to all of his children. And so trust him and walk in his way. Along the way of walking in God's way, Pilgrim also, or Christian also finds rest. Rest. This rest enables him to keep going. So hopefully, week after week, or even every day, you would find opportunities to rest in the Lord. And thinking about that, that lazy boy example, I mean, it is good at times to, to retreat and withdraw. We find in the Gospels that Jesus often withdrew to a solitary place so that he would pray and spend time with the Father. And the Christian, hopefully, will also have those kinds of restful moments as well. Not just so that we can get comfortable for just our own sake, but that we could be launched out into the world, that we would receive rest so that we also may serve. And finally, as Christiana is beginning her pilgrimage in the story, she has four boys, and a kind woman named Mercy accompanies her to help her care for her children on the journey. And the the purpose of that little illustration in the story is that Christiana sees the path ahead is going to be difficult, just like we see, might be looking forward into the summer or into a season of our life, and we're recognizing this is going to be a difficult time. God gives, gives the blessing of his mercy that equips us to walk in his way. So God is merciful to us through his spirit, through his word, and also through the church. So these are just a few of the blessings of walking with God. Just a few of them, but they are immense blessings, each one of them. Today, one of the struggles that people have in becoming a Christian is believing the truth of the gospel. But another additional struggle that 
a lot of people have sometimes in, in joining a church or becoming a Christian is they wonder if it's really a good life. They wonder about uh, the beauty or the goodness of the Christian faith. And you can see from this list that the Christian life is truly full of blessing. It is a good way to live. You have help. You, you, you have daily God's mercy, remembering God's promises, faithful and hopeful friends, an interpreter who's at work within you to help you understand the Lord and what's going on in the world around you. The Christian life, I can tell you, is a good life, a confident life. So, the main goal of this sermon today, brothers and sisters, is not that you will learn how to acquire blessings from God as kind of a consumer would. But first, I hope that you'll be thankful for the blessings that God has given you. And second, we should regard Psalm 128 verse 1 as more than a promise. It implies a command. Psalm 128 verse 1, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. That's a promise. But with it comes the implied command, so therefore, fear the Lord and walk in his ways. And as you receive good things from God, walking in his ways, good things like faith and joy and confidence and work to do and fellowship with other people, remember that each one is meant to be put to use. So blessing is not ultimately about you, it is about God. For from him, And through him and to him are all good things. Amen. Let's pray.